Welcome to Aw Crap, a Hellboy podcast, the show dedicated to the half-demon hero. Hosted by me, Kate Thompson. And me, Mark David Christensen. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> uh, we have better music at the beginning of the show, but we want to yeah. include our own. <laughs> no, I think they're about equally good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Good job. Yeah, we're good mouth musicians. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, I'm very excited for this episode because we are covering a huge um storyline. Um I would almost call it like a bridge storyline. It feels like yeah. it's it's getting us from Plague of Frogs into the bigger um uh, future of BPRD. Um we will be covering that is of course BPRD Hell on Earth because that's the new like umbrella title and this one storyline is called New World. Three titles. <laughs> Uh, but before we get to that and before we get jump into that uh, that five issue discussion we got a segment for you we love it because it includes all of you out there it's oh Oh boy boy. emails (laughs) i like that i say email and then you add an s and it's just i made it wacky. should have been singular i love it period okay then Great. We got one big solid email coming from our regular listener and emailer, Drew Campbell. Drew, I have a big box that's going to come to you pretty soon. <laughs> uh, it's but ticking. It's ticking. It's just burning in my living room, <laughs> wanting to get sent. So his email is titled The Storm. This is nice because he's he's responding to the last episode that we posted, yeah. which I love. And we get to cover it immediately. It says, hey, crappers. Still love that that's what we're yeah, called. It's good. <laughs> Welcome back, Kate. And congratulations. I'm really happy for Thanks, you guys. Drew. Oh, <laughs> and that you. trip sounds like it was awesome. It is fucking sweet. If you guys could go to Wales, I would say go to Wales first. Scotland was awesome too, you know, but Wales was, you know, I saw two castles. Nice. And it was really neat and just pretty. It was a pretty nice place. Love it. Well, yeah. that's what he he says. I really need to visit the British Isles someday. So yeah, you're endorsing it. So just plan it like far ahead. Like if you plan it far ahead, you can get pretty cheap tickets and stuff like that. And we did like a tour so that we wouldn't have to drive. But yeah, if you take a tour, they have like these tours that go around, so you don't have to drive on the other side of the road and um, kill yourself doing that, which I surely would have done. And they're not that much money either. They're not that much money either. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go, Drew. There you go, Drew. Go there. Take you that should advice. do it. Um, and then he continues an email about, uh, he says, okay, the storm. Wow. Another Mignola Fregredo Stewart masterpiece. Oh, totally. Yeah. I cannot agree more. Yeah. Considering the entirety of Hellboy's storyline up to this point, you really get a sense for just how good a writer Mignola is. The way he goes back to past stories and picks up story threads is incredible. For example, Gruagak and Alice both started out as seemingly minor throwaway characters in a fun, self-contained story. The corpse, mm-hmm. of course, he's referencing. But Mignola used the natural progression of the characters following that story to build the current storyline into a crucial and epic part of the overarching, arching story. Same thing with the Baba Yaga. The one short story all those years ago had Hellboy shooting out her eye. Just a minor detail of the story at the time, but here it's carried out to a logical and critical important conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. It pays off. Every little thing (laughs) pays off. It's great. 
I doubt that when Mignola wrote the those early stories, he had any idea what the ultimate repercussions of those little details would be. But he was able to use them to create a natural and totally satisfying payoff. I know there are plenty of long-form stories that are pretty well mapped out from the beginning, in which the fulfillment of story threads like that are planned from the start. And I'm definitely impressed by writers who have that vision to do that and are able to pull it off well. But to me, there's something even more impressive about telling individual stories like the early Hellboy short, short stories and knowing your characters and your world well enough and caring enough about seemingly minor characters to have their natural, organic development drive major storylines down the line in a way that feels like it is all planned from the start, even when it wasn't. That's, she totally nailed it. Yeah, totally nailed it. I it's, agree. It happened, it seems to happen very organically. And it's like, yeah, then it doesn't feel forced. I 100% agree with you. Okay. Yeah. It's, and um, Drew, of course, he finishes the thought with, for all of Mignola's humility about his writing skills, I honestly rank him among the best writers in the medium. Yeah. Well, yeah, 100% agree with that. Yeah. Like he is, he has a high bar on his storytelling. I mean, he's his own harshest critic or whatever. He's the most, you know, in like afterwards and shit, he's like, I am dumb. And I wrote a story like that was good maybe once, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But everybody else recognizes that he is awesome. Yeah. And I think to add to that. I think it's impressive that we have gotten to witness. I mean, we always talk about his art like sort of um, evolving, of course. We've got to see Mm -hmm. that on the page. But it's interesting that we've got to see him grow as a writer because. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying he's ever been per se bad, but like he won. Just his confidence has grown. Yeah. He leaned on on Byrne at the very beginning. He was like, I need somebody else to do this. Mm -hmm. Then eventually just had to take over. And then, of course, goes to other writers to fill out the world, like John Arcudi, Dysart, et cetera, et cetera. But we have seen him grow from these shorts to these longer stories get better. It's so much his character. You know, it's like you can't be wrong about writing your character that you've developed like that. It's yours, you know? Totally. Who's going to tell you you, they could write it any better? I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess, you know, like his his like prose or whatever progresses like it becomes like he he becomes like a better editor like he says things with a little less it's like a little less wordy yeah i would agree with that he like i guess if his if he still considers his art his strength i think he finds this great balance of his art and his writing by by you know by like the 2000s and certainly that was there like he was still good in the beginning but it's like you have less and also maybe he doesn't want to like just keep reiterating the same things, but you have, you have fewer villainous monologues and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of trimmed down it, both because we, as the reader know kind of where that's going. Like we've heard the and Rama speech, uh, you know, a few times by, by the time we get to like the late nineties, early two thousands. So yeah. it's like, so he knows that we've, we got it. And he doesn't feel the need to repeat it so much. And then he's able to like tell it with a real like economy of words or, and all that. I agree 100 percent with you. Um, 100 percent. I just think he's he's gotten like if you look at like I keep popping in my mind like wake wake the devil has a lot of gravitas like gravitas like there's some heavy weight to it because it is at the early days of Hellboy like figuring out what he really is and like facing that not 
turning away from it after Seed of Destruction. But then there's also some wacky, like, just comic book shit in it that's like, you know, like the fucking Zinko, like, jetpack blowing up. And I don't think you really, I don't think the humor goes away, but I think you're yeah. right. He, like, he uses an economy of, uh, even in his choices of moments to bring his humor and where the gravitas and like the the weight that Hellboy and his emotion, the emotion, uh, our character, lead character's emotion sort of lead the story now. And I do think that comes from, conf as you stated, confidence in the writer. And I mean, that's probably why he, I mean, I think he's probably said as much in one of the forewords or whatever we've read. It's sort of, I feel like that's why he pulled away from artistry for the story and gave to, and then, then gave, got like a Duncan for Grado because he, he'd be like, I can have the confidence in him doing the thing I want, I want for my story, but it allows me to focus on the writing. I, I, I'm uh, assuming a lot, but yeah, but that's, it's great thoughts from uh, Drew and then you, Kate, great stuff. Um, and then he wraps up this as well on saying on another note, I think MDC is correct about the panel showing all the people who have served the Ogju Jihad. I'm pretty sure that guy, the one that I was like questioning about the guy is the guy from Plague of Frogs. Humbert T. Jones of the New Temple of Mysteries. Yeah, it's what we thought it was. I just could not think of his name. So thank you for um, recognizing that. I do know what I was th thinking about. Or I knew what I was thinking about. What a dumb statement that is. I knew what, I knew what I was talking about somewhat. <laughs> and then he, he closes off with just saying, all right, guys, check you later. I love you, Drew. We love you, Drew. Great email. Thank you for responding and giving your thoughts to the storm. Um, as you can hear, we we only agree. And we'll be to the Fury very shortly. I I, I can guarantee you that. Wink. Woohoo! <laughs> like we're keeping anything hidden. Wink, wink. wink. <laughs> as much as I want to keep talking about the Hellboy storyline, Duncan Fregredo and Stuart and them being just marvels at this medium... We got to talk about this week's story. Um, Hell yeah. BPRD, Hell on Earth, New World. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Kate. Give us some credits and let's let's just get into it discussing this five issue storyline. Hell yeah. We're, yeah, BPRD, Hell on Earth, New World. Written by Mike Mignola and John Arcudi. Illustrated by Guy Davis. Colored by Dave Stewart. Lettered by Clem Robbins. Edited by Scott Alley. And originally published... <laughs> Between August and December of 2010. Yeah. It's a crazy one because, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're sort of breaking our normal format because we're covering five issues. We're not, I'm just being transparent with our listeners. We're not really going to go page by page like we're used to. Our That's sort of our yeah. style. We like to go slower. Um, but on this one, Plotting. we're sort of. Plot, yeah. <laughs> Wading through. We love to wade through issue. with you. We, yeah. Yeah. It's a slow burn, but. This one, I think we're we're sort of like taking like a different approach because we're covering so much. So I think we should just start like, what are your initial thoughts, Kate, on after finishing New World? I think it's I think it's yeah, it's it, it is like this bridge, like you said, it's like his transition into uh, and in the afterward, Mike Mignola has a little afterward in there where he talks about his favorite uh, monster movie, Bride of Frankenstein, and there's a quote from one of the characters, Dr. Pretorius. He raises a glass and says, to a new world of gods and monsters. And that's kind of how this story unfolds. Like we sort of see, you know, there's not really any going back. Like the public has seen the extent of 
these like horrible eldritch creatures that are attacking the world and everything. So it's like, yeah, the BPRD is a public name. Like there are nice little parts kind of peppered in about like just showing interviews with like man on the street kind of shit where people are like, I don't trust the BPRD. They got monsters on that thing. Like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you said, just real quick, this is a dumb thing, because when you said man on the street, I just pictured Jay Leno doing interviews and asking about the like the monster in California. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard about this monster in California? Have you seen California? this? California? Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard about this? Yeah, what do you think? What do you think? Oh, they didn't realize there's a monster. That's a terrible yeah, Jay yeah. Leno impression, by the way. What are you talking about? I like it. It sounds like he shrank. It sounds like he shrank down to a little size. A little tiny Jay Leno. Yeah. You do have to go up for Jay Leno, but yeah, you went like way up. I went, I have no control. It's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Practice it and get it right for next recording. Anywho. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I think you broke it down in a way that was very smart, which is like Kate Corrigan managing the BPRD and um, Andrew Devon. And then the second kind of major story, through line of this issue of this like run of issues, Johan and Panya, they're like kind of tension. And then Abe Sapien, Ben Daimyo and Daryl, the Wendigo. Uh, yeah. So those are kind of the three like main things throughout. I think like you see Kate dealing with a lot of bullshit. They're sort of like run by like the BPRD has sort of been like, enveloped by the uh, like taken over a little bit by the UN a little bit she's like we're sort of like answering to the UN so I'm seeing I have like all this extra bureaucracy that I am not used to and you can see it's weighing on her like they kind of talk about how she looks tired and it's like yeah dude there's like a 50 monsters around <laughs> and also just don't tell a person like they're tired looking it's just rude <laughs> yeah what does it accomplish you know I guess you acknowledge that they're that they're working hard <laughs> but you don't have to do it by saying, like, you look like shit. Like, you could just be like, hey, can I get you something? You know. <laughs> but so she is like, she's kind of, she sort of, like, sends Andrew Devon away. She's like, hey, this thing's happening in France. Go there. And that's how they get rid of him for this bunch of issues. He mm -hmm. leaves in the first issue and comes back, like, at the end of the fifth issue. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to criticize Kate for the first time. I, I, oh. I think Kate's been a great leader so far. And I think this is a bad move on her part because I think I think she has a, a longer term relationship with Abe and a and she's trying and Abe's being a little bit of a fuck because he's sort of he's sort of being coming grumpy Abe and he's doing his own thing. And we'll we'll get into that in a moment of like what he's after in this one. And he ends and why he ends up fighting the big bad of this storyline. But Kate sort of, I think, is not dealing with the tension that's between Devin and Abe, in my opinion. Yeah. I well, think it seems like they don't have time right now. Like, sure. just stuff is so... But if you're a good she, manager, you should be like, let's sit this fucking down and talk. Because I guess so. Well, she table. sort of does that at the end. <laughs> like, she's sort of, like, saying, like, you guys got to work this out. You Like, the two of you need to work this out. <laughs> but Abe fucking storms out of there. Yeah. Um. Well, because they never, like... I mean, it's it's, it's thinks, good drama. Don't get me. Like, yes. Her, yeah. her her lack of dealing with it, it makes good drama. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just I'm going to, she's going to, it's her character a little bit. It's like, I think she's overwhelmed yeah. and she's not taking the time to deal with this because 
they have to sit at the table together. Like I think it's good. Colleagues. And 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 when you say it's good drama, I think that that's a true thing because you can kind of see everybody's side of it. Like Abe is a fucking freak. He like looks. He's a fish man. And I think that the only place where he's gotten to feel like he's not a freak is at the BPRD. Mm-hmm. He's not used to people within the bureau thinking that he's some kind of monster. Yep. And I think that it's like takes away his last little safe haven if Andrew Devin's insisting on that. I can also see where Devin's coming from because the Black Flame, while he was crazy and, and Kate says like, you know, she he was just trying to, you know, put little fissures in your in your team and like trying yeah. to make you feel like you couldn't trust each other. I mean, you know, uh, he, uh, Abe, uh, like you don't, uh, you know, he, he doesn't know. He doesn't know like Abe's origins and no. he's got to consider threats to the world at this point. I don't know. That sounds really bad, actually, when I say it like that, where it's like, no, but know. it's like good drama because people are not. That's what makes the good drama is people not like if every if we were all like, if every character or just us as humans were like actually um, good at communication and we sat yeah. down and broke it down, be like, hey, man, I know he said this. Let me tell you about my past. And then they would get, and every person's like, I'm fine with it. The right. story would fucking there would be no natural. Yeah, all drama is just like could be solved by a nice conversation, you know. But I, I I'm just like so that, like I just think Kate. I think by sending Devin away, I think she unintentionally is sort of presenting to Devin that she's taking Abe's side. I don't think yeah. she's intentionally taking Abe's side. Like, like I don't she's think just she's known Abe for so long. They're like right, friends. Exactly. You know? So she's just trying to do what she, she thinks best is keep Devin busy, send him away to go yeah. deal with what he speaks French. Go and deal with this. So I don't have to deal with this issue of your tension about my friend. But even though Abe is right now, Abe is being a bit of a thorn in her side as well by disappearing, complaining about his little like check ins. He's being yeah. a bit of a bitch. <laughs> but then you got this other backdoor problem, which is Ho- Yo- Johan secretly tracking Abe. And then that causes the tension at the end because yeah. Abe blames well, you see Abe. Yeah, Abe has all of this like, I mean, um, uh, Johan. So like the Johan Panya drama is interesting (laughs) i think like so throughout the five issues we see johan going back to the what's left of his physical body that he was inhabiting for a minute there and just clearly missing that and wanting to be in a human body again and kind of obsessing over it watching 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 we see by the end that he sees like brain function and movement and he thinks i think he thinks he's going to like rehabilitate this body enough yeah. that he'll it'll he'll come back. And also we find out that he is the one who has been uh, who put like the tracer on Abe's computer so that he could try to find out where Daimyo is, I guess, and get revenge. He has that knife yeah. at the end to Some kill the Jaguar, the Ware Jaguar. So it's like, "Okay, man, like I I I see that you're not over it. You're very much in it." I love this whole thread. So that's a cool setup thing. Yeah, I think that that setup is brilliant because mm-hmm. you're like, what the fuck is your like? What is your end game? I assume you want to take Ben down, but I'm like, it, how does it even fix what your your issue is? I think he's just fucked up about it. He's just yeah. like, you took everything from me. This is all I cared about. I was having such a great time. I was like <laughs> going out to bars and and fucking and like. <laughs> 
It was the best. It was the best. And you took that from me. It's so true. But yeah. I love that, like, the beginning of this storyline between him and Panya, this relationship is so fun and playful. And then, like, there is, like, it gives a side to Panya that you're like, okay, well, first off, she gets one of the monkeys to steal the key from, like, yeah. the room. It's weird that it's very funny. For the, funny. like, menagerie room. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny the keys are kept in the room where the body is growing. I guess maybe that's the maybe that's the, the lab or something. Like, maybe these animals are being held in some kind of, like, observation. You know, you, you yeah. see them in this, like, big container with yeah, windows yeah. that she's hanging out. And this is the first time that we really see Panya being, like, acting shady and to the degree where you're like, what's what does she want? Yes. And she's like, yeah, she has the side of her personality. It's like mischievous. It's like, well, she's <laughs> like, I'm a little nice old lady, but it's like, OK, well, you did steal those keys and you're trying to like, I don't know what you're doing this for. Kate doesn't have time. She has to go to Texas to like rep the BPRD and like deal with a volcanic explosion that blew up what Houston, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like insane. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, I got to go be the stupid American face of this department while we help people in Houston. Johan, you're a ranking member. You stay and figure it out. He still, he goes about doing the same shit he's been doing, which is just looking at his old body. Yeah, that's kind of like, we see just that he's still caught on that idea that he'll inhabit this body again someday. We kind of don't know, like for Panya, yeah. we don't really know what's going to come of that yet, but I'm, it sets it up in a nice way where we're like, we got to Kate's like, you got to decide whether you're on this team or not. You kind of are hanging on the outskirts and and I don't like it. You got to pick one or the other. Yeah, I, I agree. And we have yet to see her do that. Like by the end, we, we still have to see that. Yeah. I mean, what we get away from with that is like she clearly cares about these animals, these like mm -hmm. hybrids. And Johan really takes offense to that, which is interesting of like her. Um, wanting to get access to that by using the little like pelican. Well, I monkey. think she cares about them as much as I think Johan raises a good point where he's like, although it's said in kind of a fucked up way, because like, didn't Panya use like a woman, like an autistic child? Yeah, yeah. And I think like the wording of it isn't great. The, I mean, this is from like 2010, and I think things have changed a lot as far as like the language of talking about like people with autism or like neurotypical people and shit yes. just shit like that so it kind of comes out a little weird where it's like you you can possess the mind of this um the like uh monkey pelican creature this like animal and you've done it before like it was like okay if we were <laughs> but you know it's not it's not like the worst but i i think the implication is like you know like you're capable of possessing other people and yeah. having them do your bidding so why does Panya want these huge, really powerful creatures out to do their bidding? And, and why would she want to control yeah. them in a way that she wouldn't want to share with the BPRD? I just love her fuck you to Johan. <laughs> of Johan going in there, it puts up his hand and it's clearly Panya controlling the body. Oh, I didn't even oh, think you that. Didn't, I, in my reread. You're I, right, though. In my reread, right. I was like, oh, she is just <gasps> fucking with Johan. She's right. straight up. He thinks, of course, that oh there's a God, chance. So and smart. all she's doing is manipulating him 
because Dude, she's like, so smart. she's like, yeah, I control lower, lower intelligence, like things as puppets. Yeah, she can control. Oh my god, <laughs> that's I why she's in the hallway, together, like, dude. And I was like, I thought she was oh. just like, oh, oh, oh my god, I can't believe I missed that. That's so true. It's such a fun, and it and again, it adds this mischievous element to Panya that we've yet to like get. Really, I mean, we had maybe a little bit of it, like with her dealing with Liz, but now it's just so there. And it, it does put a big question mark, like what kind of team if she does join the team, what yeah. kind of teammate are you in this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that kind of thing is I, why she wants to distract Johan so much. I don't know. She I, I, I don't know what her motives are yet, but it seems bad. It seems like something she can't tell them or won't tell them. So. Or, yeah, it's bad. Or does she pick up on a little bit of his like vengeance um, mo- motivation? Maybe, maybe, trying to get, yeah, I don't maybe. know. It's very it's it's unclear, but it's like there's so much there's so many breadcrumbs in that storyline that I just want to follow through. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because I love that moment. I love that Johan wears a coat, even though he's like ectoplasm, you know? <laughs> yeah. I wonder why they put him in this coat instead of like his normal suit. Well, he's in his suit, but it's like under jacket and pants. Maybe feel a little more human. I could see I that being so. him like. Being like, yeah, being I present like, as human. People are cold. Yeah, people are cold. I'm cold too. <laughs> I get cold. So yeah, we don't know what her motivations are yet. We're gonna find out. And then this whole time, like Abe stumbled across this. I like the way that they showed Abe kind of finding out. Like they were gonna investigate these missing people. Um, the BPRD was, and then Abe saw this little mention of a bigfoot sighting but it's like an all-white bigfoot and he's like all right i know what the deal is so he goes up and he thinks for a second maybe he thinks well he thinks daryl might have killed ben and that ben might now be the wendigo and he's like up there killing people he's not sure but he's like i gotta go up there and, and deal with this because it's yeah because that's my friend for doing this shit. Yeah, and I think this is a great element of this thread is that um, Abe is not up there to to ever really stop them. He's more... I mean, I feel like he would maybe take down the Wendigo if Ben had been overtaken by it. Or if he he had been killing whole towns full of people, he would have done something, you know. I don't know if he would have killed him, but he would have at least taken him into custody or something like that. And I think this is a little bit of motivation by based on... Devin's response to him after their last mission. I think there's a lot of empathy that Abe has for Ben and Daryl yeah. at this point. He yeah. might have had a little in, had it in the past, but I think it's full. It's, it's think, what's driving yeah. him. The idea, and I think he is so sensitive to Andrew Devin talking about him like that because he was worried that that is the case, that he is some kind of like tool in this whole thing. And I think that that is, you know, maybe he gets a little taste of what Hellboy's been dealing with his yeah. whole life now, where it's like, oh, I wasn't just some kooky experiment by some, like, English guy. You know, <laughs> I, I might have been, it might be more than that and something way more nefarious than that, and that freaks him out. Yeah. So he does, it's like you said, he has empathy for the, for these guys basically being monsters that they can't control. So he's going to go try to help resolve that. And he goes out, he finds Daimyo. In this like mountain man kind of long hair, yeah. like, but smoking cigars up there, you know, <laughs> yeah, like a Wolverine up in Canada, 
smoking stogies in the woods. Very Wolverine, yeah. yeah. I love that he has a beard, but you can still see the scar on the teeth. It yeah, I mean, of course. Yeah, it would be. It would grow around it. I, I thought that was cool. I thought he. I thought they should have a shot of him. Have they done this before, where he's like smoking a cigar and blows smoke out the side? I don't know, but that is a cool. If if I was shooting like a TV show or a movie with him in it, that's yeah. what I would do. That's fun. I, they must have done. They must have because he's smoking cigars all the time. But anyway, <laughs> I think it, it also makes me think of when you're when when you get your wisdom teeth out. They're like, don't smoke because you'll oh, get like dry socket or something. It'll like fuck up your mouth if you like if you have like your wisdom teeth wound. You're supposed to like let that heal for a while before you right. smoke. I didn't know about the smoking because I never smoked. So. That's good. <laughs> but I remember not having to eat. But yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. know a funny thing about when I got my wisdom teeth out? Yes. So I was not put to sleep. I was awake for it. No. Wow. I no. Didn't mind it. They, they, I mean, they numbed my mouth. They took the needle. But then on, I think I still have one of them in because it wasn't high enough to take out. Oh. So they took three, but I three. think it, it was my <gasps> left handed side one. They kept tapping it and going, can you feel it? And they, they, they and I was like, I feel it. Then they did Fuck a second that, needle dude. in it. Fuck they did a that. second needle, and I it was numb, but I could still feel like the wiggle and yeah. And I was like, I just didn't want the needle again, so I was like, I, I no, can't feel. It. So you the, are a crazy was, person. All I could do is just like like meditate while they pulled that one out. Dear God, <laughs> oh my God, dude. So I'm I, I, in short, I'm a bendimio. Is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> You're one. You're a tough cookie. That's I. uh, They knocked me out, dude. I was out. I was like ten, nine, and then I woke up and was like, "I'm gonna go to Wawa." I was like back in PA. (laughs) Do you know what Wawa is? Do you know? I do know what Wawa is. I've heard of Wawa. Never been in a Wawa. It's a shame. It's a damn shame. It's weird that I know so many people from Philly. I'm not disappointed. I mean, you would only go there. You would only go there if you were like in PA or. Jersey. Right. And I guess parts of Florida, maybe. I mean, you know, it's not that great, but it's very <laughs> convenient. If if it's like 2.30 in the morning, which doesn't happen to me that much anymore. But like if it's 2.30 in the morning and you're like, God, I wish I could get a hoagie right now or whatever the fuck you call a sandwich like that. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where you guys are from. <laughs> Subs. But if you want to eat some sandwich in the night you the or you want to get mac and cheese or you want to get like a milkshake in the middle of the night. It's like the best. It's the best. All right. Well, it's such a, it's so great. That's all. Go to the Wawa. Yeah, go to the Wawa. It's like a gas station with food. Okay, anyway, here we go. <laughs> well, speaking of gas stations and this, uh, as yeah. he's interacting with Daimyo and all of that, we what we dropped into the main storyline was this, like, this woman who's carrying a baby with people with her that are, like, sort of guarding her, but then they have blacked out eyes. And yeah, they're towns spooky. are empty or just like void yeah. of people. Like, you know, if there was a Wawa, this Wawa would be empty in this in this in this storyline. I mean, there are a lot of soulless husks in a in a normal Wawa. So oh my God. <laughs> hey, me included. But that, yeah, I, I like that. This is like the freak of the week kind of like something that we don't quite know what it is. She walks into this diner with a cop and then somebody starts choking but it's not actually choking they're like coughing up bile and like you know something bad is happening and they're like asking the cop for help but the cop has this like vacant eye eyeless expression now like so this little baby turns out is sucking souls out it turns out that like this woman was pregnant her husband went away to fight in a in a war 
And by the time he came back, the baby was, you know, presumably born. And backing up. So what happened was she clearly she had a miscarriage or the baby died. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So it died. But in her grief. Well, from his point of view. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. From yeah. his sorry, point of view, sorry, he's sorry. like, oh, the kid's alive. Yes. But it's, my wife's saying he's sick and I can't look at him yet yeah, or something. Weird. As Finally, hell. he's like, yeah, he's like, OK, let me look. And it's a little scary uh, tentacle claw. Uh monster yeah with a hundred eyes i drew him maybe yeah and this woman is so has become so unhinged that she can't have a baby that she's like i love you baby (laughs) to like this little octopus creature and she's letting it suck souls out of everybody in town and that's they're all disappearing and then and this is what this is the other twin of that thing she she had there are two embryos right it's so wild because okay so in her grief for her actual baby at a funeral this ghost of a agdru hem flew into her like it was attracted to her like grief right and it opened up this tear (laughs) because like there's like it's basically like earth is really becoming a hellscape and like Mm -hmm. they're you know, it's like this thing was sort of nowhere. It was it was just like on another plane. And then all of the grief and horror that are happening on Earth kind of allowed this terror. And the creature used her as some like a host. Yeah. To like enter the world. Literally impregnated her, like yeah. used her own eggs in her ovaries. And then oh, my anatomy's way off probably. But um, but then made two. No. Because the one, the baby would be weak and would grow like it, it seems to would grow in real time. Yeah. I don't know it, why it doesn't grow as much because the the one that's destroying that we, that they fight. Yeah. The big, big tentacle monster. He's like. Went up into a, the woods. Yeah. As a like guardian. Everything in the woods. I see. I see. It's because it's supposed to guard the little one. While it grows. Yeah. So I guess the big one can feast on actual physical things like people's bodies animals whereas the the, the little guy uh-huh. <laughs> feasts only on souls yeah is what and, i gather and the little guy's like collecting all of these souls to feed it and when he dies he like shrivels up and dies yeah he dies when daimyo fucking shoots the mom in the heart it's sort of wrapped up in a way where i'm like wait what what and like yeah. the father maybe didn't have to dig up the dead son like, there's this kind of, like, mysterious part where yeah. it's, like, they're digging up a little coffin. I think his, well, the his, like, idea was, like, I'll show my wife that this is her actual baby. and Disconnect herself from Yeah, the, the and she'll, like, come to and realize that. But no, he gets fucking killed by the big guy and then the big creature and then. Because the thing starts to take over Ben. Like, that's wild. It tries to, like, overtake him, but Ben can, like, resist. And then while he's sort of in this, like, mental battle he can see all of this he like sees all of the like her grief and like her taking the little creature around and killing people and shit i mean ben is so fucking brutal when he's like oh what does he say to her right before killing her it's so fucking it's like the it's the last line on issue four he's like he thought he's talking about the husband he says he thought he could save you but not me cox his gun I know, I know better. better. Yeah. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> like classic 
Daimyo who's just like gotta get yeah. the job done. And the cover art for chapter five is crazy because it's got like him transforming into the leopard and also being consumed by this creature. Yeah. It's like really crazy. For a second I was like, oh no, Abe's gonna have to kill that. Like oh, you know. That. But yeah, luckily not. So like basically they're just burying this family and Abe's like, I'll come back with the BPRD and take them back to their homes, but for now we'll bury them in the woods. And yeah, you stay out here with Daryl, I guess, because Daimyo's like, I can't go back to the BPRD. Like, I could never face Kate or Liz or Johan. Like, he feels really horrible um, for everything he did. Abe's like, that's totally fine. And like at the end of the story, he brings he brings Dar- uh, uh, um, Daimyo some supplies, including some cigars and stuff. And also a picture from Daryl's past. Right. Yeah. That's like his, his family, family. Right. Yeah. So I uh, what I assume is like Daimyo is going to go try to like see if there's any anything left, any humanity left in Daryl. Although in the like sketchbook at the end of this, they talk about making Daryl even less human than before, like this even (laughs) blinkier little like more vacant expression on the face and stuff like that. Which I thought was interesting. Also, oh, did you read the little like epilogue sort of thing? The Seattle. I haven't yet. It's okay. It's it's real short. It's basically just like one of the fronts of this like war with these giant horrible creatures. And we kind of get to see a little bit more about this one BPRD agent, Carla. She's like in Seattle talking to Kate, just saying like, yeah, we blew this thing up. And then she talks to a cop, like a Seattle cop for a little bit. And they basically just have a conversation of like, he's like, oh, so what? This is like the new normal. This is like the world that we live in now. We're going to have to fight these things all the time. Like when it's the job done and she's like, well, you're a cop. Like, do you ever stop all crime? Like your job's never done either. So, you know, so I'm going to go hug my kid, which is like kind of a nice thing for for us to be like, you know, the cop is like, makes you want to just go get fucking ripped drunk or whatever. Like, I, and like, you know, not deal with it. But she's like, yeah, I'm going to just deal with it. Cause she's like, I guess in the BPRD and she's seen crazy shit, which I thought was good. Oh, great. I, I can't wait to read it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like real quick. And I think you'll like it. It's like six pages or something. Well, that's, what's interesting that, that take of like the job is never done because Daimyo is sort of very complicated. And I don't know what he, uh, what his thing will be going forward or, or if at all because he's very critical about his way his take on the bprd in these last yeah. pages he's like i tried to militarize them but the, the battle's not only this big beast it's also like in our minds these things can take us over but i'm like he doesn't present a solution he's just like well i'm gonna go away and take more like guns and it's like BPRD but hasn't I mean, changed. Like, there's still... Mil- I, I I almost feel like, Daimyo, you're being a little hard on yourself because I'm like, it wasn't you. It was just necessary and also... Well, I think he's saying at the time it was necessary, he thinks, but he, now he's like, it seems like more of a... Like, this woman's grief was like this conduit for this big physical monster. Right. So now it's just, it's like a matter of... I think he's going to go try to bring back Daryl any way he can and that'll also be like then maybe he can save himself because he's transforming into this monster all the time you know like i'm sure it's like he's got his own shit to work out right which is interesting though because the the jaguar god is sort of what saved him in the end of this battle the thing was trying about to take him over and his he didn't fully transform slightly a tease that i was like i want I, I really wanted him to go full me too me too uh, <laughs> i'm sure he will when when he confronts daryl 
Like, I'm sure <laughs> right. it'll be like a whole big fight. Like, I can just see that, you know, like two page spread kind of a thing of like him in like a big fight with Daryl, you know. I haven't seen it yet, but I can see it. I can see it in my mind. You can, you can. But I, I think it's very interesting that the leopard god is what saved him. Literally yeah. fought off the other, the, the, this, this Ogdru Hem. So it's like, how, why would you get rid of it? And maybe that's what he'll bring to Daryl is like, can you learn to live with it? Can you, yeah. can you control yourself enough? And it seems like Daryl came in and helped fight this, um, big, crazy eldritch monster. And it, and it was watching Daimyo and Abe talk, but Daryl, like Daryl was, but he never came in and attacked them even when they fell asleep. Well, too, I mean, that plays into like, even though he might be a beast, it's like, I'm going to equate it to like dogs and animals. Like I I sleep in bed with my dog. My dog doesn't fucking bite my throat. (laughs) Not yet. She's biting her tongue. I mean, she's waiting. She's fucking going to take me out. Yeah, like someday. (laughs) But I feel like Daryl, even though he's a beast, can acknowledge that Daimyo and Abe are two people that didn't treat him like just an a, a monster to be caged away, right? I mean, if anybody understands his what he's going through, it's the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Even at like a very base, I think, animalistic, like primal way, I think he recognizes that. Um, by the way, I think one of my favorite panels was of Daryl, that splash page of him jumping out and attacking the big oh, fucking- Oh, yeah, that's sweet. Uh, Tentacle Audrey, Yeah, Audrew Hem brother or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such a cool Audrey reveal. Hem, baby. He looks, and I like how long he's gotten. Like, yeah. He was longer, but it's like him just sprawled out, jumping, and that blood down the- such a wild design of like the blood like beard that he gets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild. And also I wanted to point out something I really like too. I love in the story when we're talking about when the Ogdru Ham takes over the woman's gets into the woman. I love that black, like the spirit form of it. Yeah, it's, me it's, too. It almost looks like the three panels where it's just like in darkness and it's white lines. It reminds yes. me of like that art form. It's like Inca, Inca like or like ink where you like it's black and then you just have to sketch out. Oh, oh yeah. You like kind of scratch it. Yeah. You scratch yeah. it away to form it. I think yeah. it's really cool and pretty. It is. It looks it looks really nice. And it's a nice quick way to show another plane, like another universe or whatever, like wherever this thing is. It's like inverted. Yes. It's very cool. It's I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I I really like the fight scene in this too because it's not just like it's it's badass because they pull they pull it off, but like it's unorganized. I like how like it's chaos. Yeah. Like yeah. Abe's yelling for like where the hell it's are like, you? Like I need more bullets <laughs> and like Damien's like off doing another thing. I love the chase scene too of the truck when he realizes like yes, oh, the chase scene fuck. was great. The chase scene was really great. Smashing in, he's like, "What kind of? Who builds a house with no back door?" And then <laughs> Abe makes a back door. I mean, that's such a cool, like, that's just classic good action. <laughs> just fun, just fun shit. I liked it. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the bursting of the big monster out of the fucking di- like diner. I think that's so rad. Oh yeah, <laughs> this world is getting truly crazy. It's such an insane. Oh, we didn't. I mean, we didn't even talk about the fucking. Lake of fucking bodies, jeez. <laughs> oh yeah, that splash page at the end of the of issue two is insane and just like yikes. <laughs> yeah, I mean this guy decimated a town. 
Well, it's crazy. It is really crazy. I think it's funny too. A couple of things that are like from the real world. I think it's funny that the bureaucrat that Kate has to deal with, like from the UN, has no name. He's just like a little, like sort of plump weasel. Yeah, she's <laughs> like, you're always here. <laughs> but no one has said his name once. I think yeah. that's fun. And then I think it's interesting that they're like bring it in sort of world. I mean, if this is 2010, it's not far off from 20. I mean, these re- I mean, lack of a better term, the like redneck sort of guys that are getting interviewed. I'm going to say it seem like very MAGA. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it predates it, but it's like it feels that way. And it's the first time that like we're really seeing people that look at the BPRD or or characters like Hellboy and Abe and see them as like. They don't belong, you know? Yeah. And that's interesting. And then the pre, the uh, reverend that talks on the yeah. air is very, like, interesting that they bring that in. And it's, like, addressing that of, like, we brought this upon ourselves because we're sinners. I mean, sinners. I think that how every time there's, like, an American disaster, yeah. it's, like, you do see people like that. Yeah. So I think, yeah. I like these little things of, like, letting us know what the world is doing while this is all happening. Yeah, but it doesn't, like, they do it in, like, very quick manner so i never feel like it slows us down I'm right like, yeah it'll be like a page tops the two the two guys in the town that just like watching the news yeah those guys were i was like what the fuck are they talking about are they being controlled by the mom that's what i assume even though we don't like have a visual that shows i guess so because they're like her she's, she's sleeping, sleeping. Yeah. yeah so i guess so right it's very interesting yeah it's a little complicated because they're like they're not, they're like, the one guy's like against the reverend. He's like, the reverend don't know what he's talking about. And then he, yeah. he agrees with the other guy talking on the debate. But then it's like, you're also being controlled by this otherworldly creature. Very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but overall, I think it's a great, um, I mean, New World is a perfect title for it. Yeah. Because it is really setting up the future of what our main characters in the BPRD in general are up against. I mean, volcanoes, multiple Ogdruhems. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just like, yeah. and I mean, in a smaller level, we've already discussed it, but it's like our team is really getting fractured because of internal drama and internal, like they, they're starting to lose trust in each other. And yeah. Kate is trying her best to keep yeah. it together. But it, I, I, and I, I mean, I falter, but I also am like, I don't know who could keep all of them them together at this point with everything going on i mean once once hellboy comes back i feel like that's their only hope oh well I, we'll find out if that's gonna i can't tell you anything Yay. all right well do you have any final thoughts about reading a uh, new world you know I, I dug it it's like another thing of like i want to see what happens now like what's gonna what's i i just want to see hellboy come back to the bprd i want to see him interact with these guys again and Help them figure shit out. I, I do like this, uh, again, in the afterward, Mignola kind of talks about it, where it's like, there's no resetting it. Like, this is the world now. We can't go back to normal. Like, once this shit is, once this has happened, like, it's, doesn't matter what you do. It, we're never, like, I guess, you know, and they literally talk about 9-11, too. Yeah. And it kind of feels like that, where it's like, the world is different for people. You know, whatever age you were when nine eleven happened, it's like it was it it may it just made it feel like, oh, this like there's real danger and things could happen on like in America 
shit that we've been doing in other countries for you know so long yeah but now sure. it could happen here it's and it makes you it doesn't make you feel safe anymore so yeah yeah i agree you'll, yeah. you'll never forget when that creature showed up in the salt and sea i remember how old i was it would be like that <laughs> it would It'd be like well i guess monsters are real and we all have to fucking what go to work <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's the reality. We would still have to go to work. Yeah, yeah. I'd be like your boss would be like, "Where are you? Where are you? Um, are you be like I'm in an existential void right now, dude?" Yeah, but did you? Are you changed into a monster? Unless you fully changed into another creature, you need to be in. Yeah, unless you're a frog, you have to come to work. <laughs> Hell on earth! Reading this, I really enjoyed it, especially because I read it twice. Because I'd read it for the first time, and then I reread it like last night to be refreshed for today. And I, there's so much I like in it and where we're going, but it was also, this is a, maybe a dumb thing to say, but if like I ever had the chance, like for some reason, somebody allowed me to pitch on a TV show. We've talked about this before. This is probably one of the first things I would maybe bring in. If I was like, look at this and what could we do with this? I would pitch on this to make this a show. Yeah, like if I had to be Brie PRD, this would be like a storyline that I would be like, I could use as a pitch material um, to pitch on like how we would go about making the TV show. Also, my big pitch, I might open my my BPRD TV show with the capture of Daryl or a little earlier. Like that's where I'd want I'd want to establish like the BPRD capturing Daryl. And that's like Daryl getting caught, like them dealing with Wendigo and then taking him back to the BPRD. That's how I would open up my yeah. BPRD TV show. Yeah. <laughs> I think about shit. I think you've got to introduce some of these guys. Well, I guess they, you know, if they've seen Hellboy, they sort of know. Yeah. I, oh, I really like the mention of Hellboy in this too. When, when Diamond's like, well, I got to meet that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's just like the legend of BPRD, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Really good stuff. I don't know. I really, I really dug it. I'm, I mean, I was looking at Guy Davis only has like three more comics storylines left and he's done, which is interesting. I think this is a strong one for him to go out on though. Um, near the, or at least near the end of his run or they move on to other artists, but I really dig it. I really dug it in general. Yeah. A great bridge into the, the, the new, the new terrain, the, the new frontier, as they say for the BPRD. Hell really yeah. Really cool stuff. All right. Well, um, listeners, we want to hear from you. Um, is there something we missed to, to talk about? There's something you want to add to. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this new um, this new world, BPRD Hell on Earth. Um, you can share your thoughts by emailing us at awcrapahellboypodcast at gmail.com. As well as you can follow us on Instagram at awcrapahellboypodcast. And then please subscribe, rate, and review us on whatever platform you allow allows you to do so. But if you go on out of your way to go into Apple Podcast and you give us a five-star review that starts with the word boom, we call it a boom review. We Woo. will read your review right here, your boom review right here on the show and give you all the praise and love that you deserve. Yeah. Wow. I don't know what's coming next. You you read ahead of me. You're, you now are ahead of me in the BPRD because you read Seattle. Just by, right? Yeah, just the, I love it. I <laughs> love it. afterward part. <laughs> you got the upper hand. <laughs> but i'm very excited to see what comes next in, oh yeah in the, in the future of this but before we get out of here we got a segment of hell to pay cha-ching there's two big announcements that 
recently came out of new Hellboy comics, of course, because Hellboy is now the at least the world is never ending. Uh, I guess until Mignola is in the grave. <laughs> like, I just feel like that's the, the where we're going. Yeah. So the first announcement was Hel- Young Hellboy Assault on Castle Death. Writers Mike Mignola and Thomas Sinatsky, artist Greg Rousseau, colorist Chris O'Halloran, and letterer Clem Robbins are releasing a new Young Hellboy storyline of four issues. That will be first released on the number issue number one on July 13th. They have Matt Smith um, covers as well as there's a variant by um, Tansi Zonic. I'm pronouncing that name terribly wrong. Um, But I have to say, this is what first I'll read about the little snippet of what this is about. It's following right after the last young Hellboy storyline. But it says, picking up in 1947, the series sees Hellboy and his ad... Adoptive father, Professor Trevor Broom, relocate with the BPRD from New Mexico to Connecticut. The relocation is tough on Hellboy, says the synopsis. Is he just homesick or have scrambled memories from this? the island gripped the supernatural whippersnapper? Meanwhile, word of Hellboy's survival has also reached an unknown enemy who failed to kill him once before but is determined not to be foiled again. Sonofsky teased readers at superhero hype asking who are the brothers of dissolution and why do they want Hellboy dead? Will young Hellboy in the guise of the Scarlet Crab and his faithful dog sidekick Mac be able to defeat the nightmares which are about to emerge from Castle Death? Or will they need assistance from a certain crustacean based 1930s pulp hero Lobster Johnson? Only those willing to embrace the thrills and chills of young Hellboy assault on Castle Death will know for sure. Cool. That sounds all exciting. Yeah. I'll be honest. I'm going to go on the record. I did not. I did personally did not love the last. I didn't like it. I didn't like the young Hellboy run. It felt a little. It felt rushed. It felt. It, it, it felt in the, in the same way that young Indiana Jones feels. You really love the character. You're like, sure. this should be fun. And then you get you watch it or read it and you go, oh, I right. would rather. I just want it. I want the what I love him. And that's him as an adult. Yeah. yeah. So all of that sounds fun. I hope. I hope I hope this is better than the last run of Young Hellboy. It seems like a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe I'm wrong in saying this. I'm going out on a, a little cr- critical limb here. A lot of stuff just seems like very like like the idea that Young Hellboy's interacting with the actual Lobster Johnson seems a little like I don't know. It takes, right, it kind of steps on what has already been established, like him meeting him later and be like, yeah, "Whoa!" Yeah, I agree. I like the idea that he revered this character and then. He only met him as a ghost as an adult. It does step on that for me. Yeah. Unless, unless I don't know, I'll read it and make my own assessment then. But that's initially, yeah. that's how I'm feeling about that synopsis. That's fair. Yeah. So, but I got to say as much as I just didn't like the, co- the, um, didn't like the storyline, the Matt Smith covers of the young Hellboy is those covers They're are really good. Yeah. Awesome. So exciting that he's returned to do the covers because the first one's pretty good. With like Hellboy and a bald guy looks sort of Rasputin, but I bet it's something else. I hope it's not Rasputin because that'd be another thing you're stepping on to be like weird. <laughs> yeah, but that cover's pretty cool. What do you think of that cover for Young Hellboy? Yeah, it's fucking sweet. There's like, I guess it it can't be Rasputin though, can it? It, it fucking better not be. <laughs> Unless he's watching him from far away or something, and we Hellboy never sees him or something. Maybe I'll take that at most. Yeah, I, he doesn't look like he has a beard to me, so I think it's not him. 
Right. Just another creep. Yeah. But then the variant cover is cool, too, with him in bed with his dog, Mac. And yeah. Reading comics. That's a really cool, cool take on him. Hell yeah. Um, but that's not the only uh, new comic coming. There's a one shot coming. Um, this one shot's called Time is a River. Um, now, this is a continuation off of a prior um, story, which I might have read but forgot about. But we definitely on the podcast have not touched on yet. Right. So Hellboy and the BPRD, Time is a River, follow up to the 2019 Hellboy winter special story, The Meisner's Gift, re- reunites the same creative team of Mike Mignola, artist Mark Laszlo, and colors Dave Stewart. This will be coming out on this one shot on July 20th with a main cover by Laszlo and a variant by Mignola, which we have we can talk about in just a moment. Here's what it says about the storyline. It sees Hellboy return to a ghostly version of Budapest to retrieve the academic Lalos. La, La, I don't know what that is because I haven't read the, the other story either. Yeah. Maybe you uh, Google that. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm very lost on what that is because I'm dumb. Who was left behind there in a previous story after his presence there causes timelines to get crossed and reality to crumble. That sounds fun. Yeah. Mark Laszlo, who resides in Budapest, told Bloody Disgusting, Hellboy learns that what Laios said is true. Time is not built upon a rock. Time is much more like a river. And as the uh, Danube River's great flood of 1838 repeats itself in the ghost version of Budapest, Hellboy has to fight his way through the phantoms and monsters lurking in the shadows of the sunken city to save the professor and himself. Sweet. I hope readers will have at least half as much fun reading it as I had drawing it. Yeah. So that's sort of like more sounds like an ex- more of an exciting backstory where it's like it doesn't feel like it's pertinent to his main thread. It doesn't seem like to to step on the the great storytelling that we've that Mignola's built. It just feels yeah. like this fun one shot that's like, oh, he has an assignment. It took him and it's going to be wild and fun, I guess. For one shot. Totally. And I mean, Laszlo's art is really fun. I like his main color cover. It's really fun. Uh, yeah. I'm not very familiar with him. But no, it's cool, though. And I like Mignola's variant, too. Yeah. I love the colors on his variant. That back, that like painterly like color that Stuart's giving the backdrop yeah. that, that his figures are on is so cool. Hell I love yeah. the scarf. Scarf's great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know why, but that's just like, it's almost like a Where's Waldo scarf a little bit. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, those are two cool comic books coming out later this year. So definitely, you know, put put those in your holds. Give them a read. I'll I'll be doing it regardless of what I thought of the first young Hellboy. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get out of here, Kate, is there anything you'd like to suggest our listeners to read, watch, or enjoy based on our reading of New World? Or anything that you're currently just really into. Did I talk about the movie Antlers already? Maybe you mentioned it. I don't remember. Was it good? That's Guillermo del Toro produced it. It I think it's worth a watch. I don't think it it, like there were parts of it that I really enjoyed. And I've it wasn't like I'm not like buying the Blu-ray or whatever, but it's it's on HBO Max right now. So it's like. Oh, if you nice. have that or your friends log in, you could watch it. And yeah, I thought I thought everybody did a good job and it's worth watching. That's great. And it, it's kind of like Wendigo adjacent. Nice. I like you that. You know? Yeah. Awesome. I don't know if I have anything that's directly related to what we've read in the sense. Because um, nothing really came up. But the one thing I will say that's that I've been... I just finished last night 
and is about like a team. I think the BPRD is a team. Yeah. And uh, is the uh, the Apple Plus TV show called Slow Horses starring Gary Oldman. I thought it was a good watch. I'm excited for season two Same. of it. It's about the it's about <laughs> the place called Slaw Slow Slaw House. Gary Oldman like is over overseeing the agents that all fucked up. That MI five agents that sort of fucked up. One of them like literally left like a a confidential like file on a train that wasn't supposed to get oh, out that's funny and like it's just about them and them sort of getting there's like the bad like sort of fuck up spies and then they're involved in that. that's cool so that I, thought good. It was, I thought it was a good show and that's sort of like reminded me of like I, I watched it and it didn't blow me away but i enjoyed it and i was like but the tonal is sort of like what i would want a bprd to somewhat be but with bigger monsters i gotta watch it wait what what is it on what is it on? it's on apple plus Oh, I really keep, I, uh, I'll uh, never watch it then, Dave. <laughs> Forget uh, it. Sorry. I, well, I do, it you don't show. have to have an Apple TV or whatever the fuck to watch I have no clue. I have no I just idea how Apple, Apple Plus TV. even fucking works, man. I don't even know. I'm an Apple bitch. Do you have I to have, have a fucking... Can I watch it on my computer? Probably, I bet. I need to start a free trial. <laughs> Looks like that's what I'll do. Then just watch it all and then cancel it. I don't cancel know. it. Severance is good to watch too. That's a good show. Severance? That's on there. Not, not the most profound um, <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> just what's on my head. <laughs> but um, thank you again for listening, everybody. And remember, we love you. We're in love with you. Hold on, my dog is fucking screaming. At oh the top man, of her we've lungs. had her in the background before. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I don't care. We can hold. Uh. <laughs> Have you ever encountered an unexplained hairy bipedal hominid in the woods? Have you received telepathic messages from an unidentified aerial phenomenon? If so, then you need to listen to Bigfoot Collectors Club. I'm Michael McMillan, and I'm Bryce Johnson. And together with super producer Riley Bray, we make up the Bigfoot Collectors Club. That's right. Every week we talk to actors, comedians, writers, and paranormal experts about their personal paranormal histories and share stories of high strangeness. Like the time when we talked to Craig Ferguson about the Loch Ness Monster and when a sea witch told him he had raven magic. Or the time I asked Pitch Perfect's Anna Camp her opinion on cattle mutilations. Past guests have included Rachel Bloom, Jen Kirkman, Paul F. Tompkins, Bobcat Goldthwait, and more. So if you've ever been abducted alongside five reindeer by an alien with drills for hands or witnessed Bigfoot crawl out of an interdimensional portal, don't laugh, happens all the time, then check out Bigfoot Collectors Club on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Bigfoot, Bigfoot Collectors Club, you're, you're here to, to believe, believe us. Wait, is that how it goes? Campfire.